Welcome to Building Safe Workplaces, a podcast where experts dedicated to workplace health and safety review relevant industry topics. This podcast is brought to you by the Health and Safety Council. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm giving it a few seconds for everybody to, to join us. I think we had several hundred that signed up to, to listen to us today, or listen to Mark especially. Uh, so welcome. Uh, today we're going to be chatting about heat stress and OSHA's new national emphasis program and how how that has um, become you know law in in effect as of a couple of weeks ago. And going to hear from from Mark Briggs today, who's the Houston area director for OSHA, and going to give us some insight today on on this new program, what that means for you as an employer, how you need to protect your workers from uh, from heat stress, and then more importantly, open it up to question and, and answer towards the uh, middle half of of the uh, the session today. So again, we're we're happy that you joined us today. We know this is a very, uh, for lack of a better word, hot topic. Uh, so we hope you you get something out of it, and hopefully you go away today with any questions that you had uh, being answered today. So I'm Dr. Tommy Heisler. I'm the Chief Medical Officer at the Health and Safety Council, uh, joined by our special guest, Mr. Mark Briggs, who's the OSHA Houston Area Director. So we're gonna start our session today and chat a little bit about heat. So let me go here. You are able to ask questions in the question bank there. So if, uh, if you've got the app open on your, on your uh, computer or your phone, there's a little question tab in there. Feel free to type away and we will, we will screen those along the way. And at the end of Mark's presentation, he will try to answer as many questions uh, that he's, that he's uh, capable of doing. All right. So to get us kind of kick-started today, the goal with any hazard prevention program, right, is to reduce the hazard, right? Reduce the hazard, you thereby hopefully reduce injury and illnesses that occur because of that hazard, right? That's always number one, protect the workers, right? That's all always our goal, always our mission, always the mission of, of OSHA and OSHA's rules and regulations that they roll out so protecting the worker number one but also if there's a regulation you got to be compliant with it right you can you can be protecting your workers great that's what we want to do but if you're not in compliance well you're going to get your hand slapped but potentially right so we want to make sure that you 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 come away from this today knowing how to reduce these heat injuries from your workers but also how do you be compliant with osha because that's also important as well and when we talk about heat-related illnesses, you know, it's not just one, one aspect that causes these things. It's a whole multitude of issues, right? It's not only the heat, how hot is it outside or inside where you're working, but what's the humidity? What's the wind factor? Is it breezy? Is it not breezy? Uh, what's the age of your workers? Do they have any medical conditions? What PPE are they wearing? Are they wearing full Tyvek suits out in the full sun? Well, that's probably going to be a problem. And when you have a multitude of these, these factors bearing down on the on your workers, it's a recipe for disaster. So if we know this stuff, how can we go about reducing those risk factors where our workers are protected? So I think all of us know that there is no national heat stress standard from OSHA, right? Not yet right? We're, they're working on it, and it's going to roll out probably sooner than later. 
so if you if OSHA doesn't have a heat standard, then they're they're usually limited on the data that they get, right? Unless unless you send them the data or they collect the data via the OSHA 300 logs or or or, or whatever, they're limited in the data that they collect in regards to heat stress. They did a review in 2012 to 2013 that looked at all of the heat stress cases that were cited by OSHA, right? And there was only 20 of them. Out of those 20, were thir 13 of them were fatalities, right? So right now, as it stands, the data that OSHA collects from heat-related issues are usually the fatalities because that's you have to notify OSHA when there's a fatality. And the eye-opening statistic from that was that 70% 70 of those who died from a heat-related illness were new workers that had been working at that job site for only three days. And that's a huge unfortunate statistic that shows us that we're just not doing a good job acclimatizing these workers to the heat. And if you're gonna die from a heat stress injury, that statistic shows us it's usually those new workers at the job site only working for a few days, not acclimatized to the workers. So what can we do to prevent the, that unfortunate statistic, right? And OSHA has come out with this national emphasis program to further advocate for protecting your workers from not only the minor stuff, but also the fatalities, because nobody wants that to happen. So, you know, no, there's no need to guess on this stuff, right? NIOSH came out with this recommendation for a national heat stress standard years ago, a big thick book that, that, that collected all of the data, all of the trials, all of the studies to show, okay, we know why people are suffering from heat-related illnesses at work. What can we do? What can we put in place to prevent that? If we put in place these steps, would it protect our workers 100% of the time, right? That's always the goal. How do you eliminate the hazard or, or engineer out the hazard where your workers are protected? So. When you look at what OSHA has come out with with their national emphasis program, guess what? They took that they took that information from NIOSH and the recommendations from NIOSH and they outlined it. And they said, "Okay, if we know what we need to do to protect these workers, let's put it into a program that's now going to be mandated." Right? So these are the eight steps from the NIOSH program in that book that's free off the internet. You can download it. And this is what OSHA has rolled out as part of their national emphasis program to say, "This is what you need to have in place." as part of your heat prevention program to make sure that you're doing all you can to protect your workers. And now, if OSHA was to call you up and say, hey, we're coming in to take a look at your program, these are the steps that you need to have in place, and these are the things that we're gonna chat about and Mark's gonna chat about with you today, all right? So if you look at the, the website, on, on OSHA's website in relation to this national emphasis program, these are the things that they outline. It's, you don't have to guess, it's not a secret, right? They say, if an OSHA inspector is gonna come, come to your, your facility or your job site and say, let me see your program, this is what they're gonna do step-by-step, step, right? They're gonna look at your logs in relation to any heat-related illnesses that you may have had. They're gonna ask about any emergency room visits that we're in relation to a heat stress illness. They're gonna ask about ambulance transports for somebody who got heat stressed out at the job site. And they can interview your coworkers out there to, to, to ask about 
their training on 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 heat prevention and signs and symptoms of of heat prevention. Also, they can say, okay, let me see your program, and these are the bullet points that you need to have in place with this program. All right, I'm not going to go through them step by step, okay? Because it's on the website, you can Google it, you can look at it, and Mark's going to talk a little bit about it um, uh, in just one second. But I wanted you to know up front that. There is a national emphasis program in place. It's been in place now for a month, almost two months now. And there are some clear cut definitions and pieces of your program that you need to have in place. Specifically, I wanted to just highlight this because this is part of the, the program and, and, I, and I would venture to guess not everybody knows that you should be doing this. OSHA says that you should be estimating your employees' workload levels, right? Are they, are they doing light work, moderate work, heavy work, or very heavy work? You don't have to memorize these. You can go to the website. They have them all listed out with examples of the different job tasks in those categories. And OSHA wants you to be familiar with those because if you know the workloads, then you can reference these guidelines that show what your work rest schedules should be for that workload, right? How hot is it outside? What workload is my employee doing? You take those pieces of data, then you can estimate a good work rest schedule, all right? So in my example here that I circled in red, if it's 100 degrees outside, and let's say your employee is doing heavy work, you go all the way to the right, 30 minutes they should be working in that hour with 30 minutes resting. That's the recommendation. That's one recommendation, right? So if you know the data, then you can do a good estimate of how much my employee should be working in that environment. Training. Dr. Tony. Sure. Yes. Before you go on, could you go back to that slide? Because sure. sure. I'm, I'm not going to, I wasn't going to talk about this, but since you brought it up, um, we've had some questions come from uh, other groups that I thought might be um, important for people to hear here. So yes. looking at the, the heavy work where it talks about minutes, minutes worked um, over rest, 30-30. Some companies, um, and I don't know where the information is coming from, so I'm just going to say some companies have thought that that meant that, um, and I'm, I'm taking it to the extreme, that they can work really hard for 30 minutes and then go sleep in the car for, for 30 minutes and then they have to come back, then they can work 30 minutes, and then they can go sleep in the car for 30 minutes. That is not what we're talking about. The, the rest aspect of this is getting them out of the heat loads and out of the workloads that they are, they are dealing with. So um, in this other forum that I was in, the, the, the situation was we've hired, we hire a new employee and, and they're, they're digging holes, you mean literally they can only work 30 minutes every hour? And it's like, no, 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 no. They just, the, their work needs to change to where it's changing, where it's taking them out of this, this heavy workload the, the, and, and moving them into a, a different workload. It does not mean that they only work four hours a day and they go home, you know, or get to rest or only, you know, go that direction for four hours a day. And it also doesn't mean that you can't work them really hard for four solid hours um, and then send them home. That that doesn't that doesn't meet the the work work rest uh, ratios either. But I wanted to bring that out, um, and I know I'm not talking about that later on. 
So, so this might right. have been a really good point to bring that's it. That's a bring that's a great clarification, Mark. That's why we have you on here, so you can answer some of those uh, some of those questions because because that's a that's a great clarification there. Training. Uh, I just wanted to highlight this as well because the 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 new program says employers must train employees on the following topics related to heat stress. So you got to put them through a training process, right? Uh, and make sure that these things are covered because it, you know if I'm reading the the uh, the instruction correctly, it sounds like if OSHA does do an inspection, they can ask your employees, "Have you been trained in this stuff?" Right? And and we want to make sure that your employees have the information they need to protect themselves and protect each other. Uh, the Safety Council has has online courses you can take for heat stress. There's thousands of them out there, right? Just make sure that whatever courses or training process you're going through at least covers what OSHA says needs to be covered there. So without further ado, Mark, I'm gonna pass it over to you to, to chat a little bit more about what OSHA is looking for in this program. Okay, thank you very much. So, you guys all know, you all know me. Dr. Heisler's introduced uh, introduced me. I, I really appreciate this opportunity to come and talk to you all. Hopefully, this will be be helpful. I'm going to try to skim over some of the stuff that that Dr. Heisler talked about, but I do have a few things that I will I want to point out to you. The the NIOSH document that um, uh, he showed you that was originally published back in 1972. They've gone through, they've looked at this. This is an updated document. I wanna say back to 2016. Um, and it is it has definitely been um, something that we are using and we are looking at. And um, <clears throat> want, want you to, to understand it's, it's something that OSHA really feels uh, concerned about. We are working uh, towards getting a standard. Um, but I also want you to understand especially in the Gulf Coast, this is not anything new. Um, all of you really, even though you may not have understood it or may not have known about it, um, you've been under a heat uh, illness prevention program for um, since about 2011. Um, the, the Region 6 um, area for OSHA had a uh, regional emphasis program dating back to those dates. When we started looking at heat as it applied in certain situations, albeit a lot of times it was in fatalities. Um, if you also remember back those that many years, the only way we heard from employers or about conditions out of, out of the work site unless we showed up was through a fatality or through um, an accident that sent multiple people to the hospital or through somebody filing a complaint. So we, we didn't always hear about things. Now, during the Obama administration, um, that changed when they started um, uh, having, companies have started having to report um, accidents and, and hospitalizations. So we do hear about things a little bit more. Um, I chuckled when, when Dr. Heisler showed the, the um, statistic up there about the heat um, and then the, the first kind of study of information and only 20, 20 inspections and only, I think it was 17 that, uh, with the citations. Um, that probably sounds exceptionally small, and it is. But it was it was something that only a few areas were running at the time, because um, it wasn't just Region 6 that was running the HEAT program, but we didn't have a whole lot of data. And we were, we were trying to grasp and trying to figure out how can we address this and how can we deal with this, because we were noticing that there were a lot of instances where people where employees were getting hurt 
and so we thought okay we need to we need to to kick this in and we need to start looking for it so if you'll go to the next slide please like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you and our generous sponsors thank you for your support now back to the show Now, just a little bit about what those original things were. This, this is how we were looking at it um, primarily, is we were targeting outdoor work. Um, we used the 1986 version of that NIOSH um, document when we first kind of started going around with this. And it was primarily triggered through the National Weather Service in issuing heat advisories, either excessive heat watches or excessive heat warnings. Go ahead. Um, now this new, or I'm sorry, 2019, um, we started looking at a, a more detailed and a um, better refined um, regional emphasis program. And what we did is uh, we set a, uh, a standard within the uh, National Weather Service where the heat index was at 80, 80 degrees or above. So what you guys have heard and i've heard a lot of feedback like oh my god it's always 80 degrees in houston yes we have two weeks the whole year where it gets below 80 degrees unless it's 2021 and and then we have the freeze that to end all freezes so it had three weeks um but uh we we had we've had this and we've been looking at it and it's a heat index so that does drive up um the the temperatures and when we're, when we're going to do it. And it's just a trigger point for us to be looking at it. Because what we, what we find, and you guys know this, you guys all experience this every single year. As we start going into um, the springtime and it starts warming up around, around here, you have to be a little bit more careful with the employees in April, March and April and May then you would necessarily be with them in the July and uh, uh, July and August timeframes because they've had four or five months to get used to those July and August temperatures. Whereas in that, that March and April timeframe, they've only had a few weeks, if not a, just a few days. And so programs that are sophisticated and programs that have, have been matured are uh, look at, at that a whole lot quicker for their employees than than another than at other times because we know that acclimatization is a real thing you know we down here in the south we laugh when we hear 80 degrees why are you guys having heat stress up in ohio and and wisconsin and all of those areas when it's only you know 82 degrees we laugh we'd love for it to be 82 degrees down here that is because it's acclimatization that's because they they get used to it you know, think about us. They were laughing at us during the freeze um, because they're like, it's only 13 degrees, guys. It's not even below zero. What are you guys, you know, crying about? Why is your energy, the the electric electricity falling out? You know, they don't understand that we only put our our water pipes only about six inches under the ground because up there that every single t every single year the pipes would freeze. So it's that kind of thing that we're that we're dealing with and what we're trying to to understand. Um, so we run this, this regional emphasis program, but on top of the regional emphasis program now, 
we have, I think it's on the next slide, we have our national emphasis program. So this, this kicked into effect this year in April. Um, we're looking at it for a period of time. Um, we've set it for about three years, but it could change. It could change after this year. We're hoping to collect. I'm actually after this, I'm getting on a call with, with uh, a bunch of my national uh, uh, counterparts and we're, we're discussing how we're collecting data. What's more data that we can collect? What's information that we can have and how can we assess this at the end of this um, heat year and reevaluate and is there some tweaks or some changes or some lessons learned that we can be applying for um, for next year? But we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, I am, I'm pretty confident about what we've been doing because we've been doing it here for a while. But hey, you know, it's a big country. It's a it's a big area. We may find some things that could help us all along the way. Um, now, a few things else. It's also it's still triggered by the National Weather Service, the heat index above uh, above 80 degrees. <clears throat> the references for the the NIOSH document are the 2016 uh, version, so that's been updated a little bit. I highly recommend. Look, two things. If you don't do anything else today, please do two things. Go download that um, NIOSH document and then download the NEP. Okay. OSHA has given you their playbook. This is what we're using. And this is what we're going to be asking. This is what we're going to be looking at. And uh, this, is, this is the importance of it. We want you guys to know what's going on. We want you guys to be addressing it. And we want you guys to be, be looking at it. Um, because we have found too often that, that people say that they've got stuff in place and then when they when they really go to the effort of, of doing it, it's not getting applied the way it needs to be applied. Well, we're going to we're telling you what we're going to be asking. We're telling you what we're going to be checking on. Go out there and take a look at it. Check yourselves. I'm doing a talk tomorrow for the uh, Houston Business Roundtable about auditing. Guess what? This is what I'm talking about. Go out and audit yourself. Um, Put yourself through the test and see how am I doing? Am I really doing what I say I'm doing, or am I do really doing what I think I'm doing? Because sometimes you're not. Um, a couple of other things, um, you know, we've got different levels, of course, the the cautions and the and the extreme cautions. We're probably, you know, we've been living in an extreme caution area um, since the weekend, so be aware of that. Hopefully, I don't. I don't want to get into the other two categories. I, I don't even want to talk about them because I don't want to get up into the hundred and threes or the or gosh forbid we're in the hundred and twenty six. I think uh, I'm going to just stay in and stay cool when it when it gets up there. And I, I you know, but uh, let's hope we don't get into those kinds of kinds of temperatures. But that's the the areas and the and the the categories that we're looking at. So, thank thank you. Um, so we're going to be targeting. Um, certain industries. There's a long list of them. I'm going to bring out a few, um, but I highly recommend this is all in that NEP. Download that. You'll see it. It's right there in the tables. I think it's tables one, two, and three, um, and you'll you'll see it. So we've got the general industry, which if you're an owner on this call, that's probably where you're at. Just kind of giving you a rough uh, sketch, of, a thumb sketch of it. If you're an owner out there, um, then, then that's probably, you're gonna find yourself in this uh, general industry. If you're a construction company working for one of the owners or you provide supports or things like that, 
that's going to be um, probably in table two is where you're going to find uh, your uh, uh, your NAICS code. This general three is going to uh, our table three is going to be general industry, but it's not going to be ones that that um, are are what we're, we say would be a typical um, heat stress uh, or heat load um, company, and it's going to have a, a large. It's going to be very uh, varied for the the types of companies, and you'll see it. I, I believe I've got that on on a uh, following side. But in, and the the enforcement officers, the compliance officers, my staff. Um, if you're in my area, um, this is be the my people that would be coming out and talking to you. The things that we're going to be looking for is straight off that NEP. Okay, next slide. So taking a quick look, I'm not going to read these. You guys can all see them. Um, but um, and and really, as I said, I I I don't want to show it to you because I want you to guys to go get the NEP so you can look at them. But here's some of the things that that are are in this and that and that are out there. And um, keep in mind, um, maybe you're a, a petroleum manufacturing company, but you have a warehouse. Guess what? You've got two different situations that you need to be looking at and you need to be thinking about there. Um, hopefully, your program covers both aspects, but the 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 heat um, heat program may need to be different in your warehousing operations than you would have for your operators that are doing rounds. Um, their workloads are probably different um, depending on what it is. So you would need to be looking at that. Um, construction, that one's that one's a, a pretty uh, a pretty normal one. You know, we all get it, um, we all understand it, and that's that's kind of what those codes are. Go to the next slide, please. Yeah, okay, I did bring up um, I thought I had a slide in here for for table three, but you can see there's a lot of different things that are that are are brought into this. An office administrative service. Okay. Do you have temp employees that's there? Um, if they're having to work out in a trailer, they may not be used to it. If they just got done working at a high-rise uh, uh, building, you know, in a nice air-conditioned facility and everything, but now you've got them working in a trailer, that could be that can make a difference. And you've got to look at those those elements. Um, empl other employment services, um, your security services. What what are you doing with them? Their workloads and their their work exposures are going to be dramatically different. And then also, what kind of equipment are they carrying um, that would be different than than maybe what your operators or your construction guys are carrying if they're actually on patrols and and um, um, protecting the the facility. Um, so that would be those those things um, and. Again, go back to the NEP, and you can see a full listing if you're interested in it. Or guess what? You're in the you're in the the South. You're in Houston. It's a it's hot out there. If you've got employees working out in that heat, guess what? You need to be doing something. Next slide. Now, just kind of going through some of these, I've asked Dr. Heisler uh, to feel free to jump in here um, as I go through some of these um, because. Hey, he's a doctor. I, you know, I didn't stay at a La Quinta last night, and and I didn't pass the the MCAT, so I'm going to let him make all those medical decisions. But I'm going to bring up some of the things that our people have told us that we need to be thinking about. Okay, um, when we're out there, keep in mind these facts. 
every year thousands of workers become sick from heat exposure on the job and some cases are fatal and it can happen when you least expect it you know when on his chart at the very beginning it kind of looked like a starburst a sunburst there was all these factors that would go into what's what's causing the problem there was two there was one on there that that i thought was really important that i wanted to bring out to you and that was the acclimatization what have they been doing do you know what they've been doing do you know what they did this weekend do they know that some of the things that they did over the weekend could even if they're acclimatized some of the things that they did over the weekend could be affecting what they do um, at work on monday morning okay those can those things can happen did they just come off of a vacation is it did they go did they go up to um i was going to say yellowstone but nobody can go to yellowstone right now be thinking about those people up there boy they they're having some problems if you don't know what's going on uh, go check it out but uh, they're flooding and uh, yellowstone's closed right now but that's a much cooler climate did they spend a week up there did they spend a couple of weeks up there they may need a day to kind of get used to being back out in the heat so be aware of, of those types of, of of situations and then another thing and and i've got personal experience with this um, i used to take a bunch of kids up to a summer camp uh, with our church and those kids were drinking um, energy drinks i've got to be careful how i say this they were drinking energy drinks all the time all the time while we were up there and it got really really hot one summer and we we had kids getting very violently ill um and it took us a little while to figure out what was going on but those types of things that the the things we put into our body definitely have a, a an effect on how we act and how we work and how we do things um, even days later so just be aware next slide anybody can be exposed uh, affected by um the heat okay so keep that in mind you know, one of the things um, you guys may not realize it because of your industries, but one of the things that's that hits me all the time is the number of cooks and the number of restaurant workers um, and people like that. We get complaints from those groups all the time. And um, those those situations can be just as dangerous as somebody that's working out, digging a ditch somewhere or or climbing a tower somewhere. Um, so this is, you know, this issue is much broader than maybe what's working with with just your employees, but be aware of that. And depending on if people are bouncing around jobs, that can be a condition that you need to be uh, uh, be be watching out for. Next slide. Um, Dr. Heisler mentioned this earlier. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, go into it to a great extent. But really, maybe one of the biggest things that you can do to drive this number down is be your brother's keeper. Watch these the newest employees this first their first week. That can be even if they've been slightly acclimatized, or you think, well, that's a pretty uh, a pretty tough job. Keep in mind, a maybe not not everybody's being totally honest about their previous employment but b they may not want to tell you that they weren't working super hard and just kind of watch them and keep them keep them cycling keep them going through and and watch their loads their workloads um, if you as much as you possibly can especially during this first this first week if 
they are really going to be going into the, the heavier workloads that they could be doing out at many of y'all's uh, areas. Um, this is all what we've been talking about, easing people into uh, an acclimatization. I'm not going to beat, beat this one up, but um, keep, keep an eye on it and just re-emphasizing, we are not saying that they only need to work um, you know, two hours out of every eight or something like that. What we're saying is watch their workloads, watch their exposures, rotate those work assignments. I know all of you have different things that people can be doing. Give them those opportunities and um, work, them, work them slowly into it. It'll pay off for you uh, in the end. Drinking cool water. These are things, you know, and, and uh, Dr. Heisel, this is all the areas where you where you can certainly start uh, chiming in, but have water out there for them. Have a way for them to 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 drink it. You know, putting it in a in a uh, plastic pail on the top of a of a of a metal truck and having them drink out of it, you know, throughout the day without cooling it off in any way, shape, or form towards towards the hottest part of the day that water is going to be less helpful, um, but at least they're going to be replacing their fluids and getting it, getting it into them. Just be thinking about it. Have a plan, put it in place, and work it. As much as you possibly can, give them a place where they can go into a cool area to get out of the sun, to get out of the heat, get out of the hot wind, um, as much as possible and make sure that they, as much as they can, dress for the appropriately for the heat uh, that, that is available to them. These, these pictures don't necessarily apply to y'all's areas. I get that. I understand that. But you know what? Sometimes they do. I have seen wide brim hats that are hard hats that you can get that can help out an employee. There's all kinds of new technology out there and, and things that can be can be utilized, but also give them that opportunity to get out and get out of that that direct sun and, and get out of that the heat that they're in. You know, I'll just point out out to Mark that, you know, for our audience, you know, these things that Mark is talking about are actually part of the the program, right? These are the things that they are going to ask for if they come and do an inspection with your heat program. You must show where you have unlimited cold water available. You must show where you have shaded areas available. You must show where you've tried to reduce the heat hazard as much as possible by having shaded areas, ha changing the PPE if possible, uh, engineering out the heat with bringing in you know, air conditioners into the into that area. So they're, they're gonna walk through these steps with you and, and make sure that you at least have have either done it or showed that you tried it and it wasn't doable, right? It wasn't feasible in that in that area. But these are not just nice to have, these are actually part of the of the program yeah. that OSHA is gonna ask about. Yeah. And and that's that that's a great point is you know this is all if you're just shooting at the dark, you never know what you're going to hit. Okay, set down, come up with a plan, and then work that plan. If the plan doesn't work, change the plan. Okay, right at the moment, as Dr. Heisler pointed out, and it's very true, OSHA does not have a standard that says 
A through Z has to be done by every single employer in the United States, period. What we're saying is you need to provide a safe and helpful workplace for your employees. And you need to have a plan surrounding that. And the only way you're gonna be able to work that plan is to write that plan down and to be able to execute that plan solidly and completely. So come up with it, work it, and, and show that you put some effort into it. And that's going to go miles in an inspection or in some form of questioning or anything like that. You'd be surprised. I have gone to large companies and asked for their heat stress program. Myself have asked for their heat stress program. And they've told me, oh, well, we, we don't have one. This is what we do. And I go, how do you do that? Well, we tell our, 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 our foreman about it and then, and then our foreman go out and tell our, our employees about it. Are you auditing that? How are you making sure that the employees even know what, they're, what you're doing or the foremen are doing it? And what we were finding is that it wasn't happening. And so it becomes, it becomes an issue if you, it, and one of my, well, one of the things that you, you need to do is get it in writing, get it down and work it and do it the best that you possibly can and document. You know what? If something doesn't work, write it down and say, hey, we tried this. It didn't work. You know, we tried adding this electrolyte to the water. And it just made everybody nauseous and it just didn't make them feel good. So we stopped using the electrolyte. Okay, that's, you know what, that's a, that's a great finding. And if you take appropriate action, you stop using it, write that down. And it's like, oh, okay, hey, look, at least they're trying. They're doing something that they, um, with this. And it, and it helps. It really will help you. Okay. Up until such time as a standard comes out, you know, these, Everything that you can do to show that you're making an effort is a, is a positive for yourself, okay? I promise you that. Oh, um, you know what, you, you're, that's okay. Don't, don't go back, but um, I did miss something I wanted to reemphasize is, is um, being your brother's keeper. You know, tell your employees, hey, look, if you're starting to talk with somebody um, and, and they're not answering you like they normally would, there might be something going on because sometimes we don't, we don't even recognize when we're not feeling well. And we don't recognize when, when we, are, we are experiencing signs and symptoms of things that we should be getting ourselves out of. Um, and sometimes it's pride, but a lot of times it's just, we don't even recognize it because in our mind, we're still working hard, but we're really not, or we're not speaking well. Um, you know, sometimes I think my employees want to come in here and, and ask if I'm having a stroke because I'm not speaking well, but that's usually just because my tongue's tight. But a lot of times it could be these, these types of situations that are, that are, are coming up. We don't recognize it in ourselves and we need our brother or sister to, to come and say, Hey, is everything okay? Are you feeling okay? Man, I'm, I'm just, I'm hot, but I'm not sweating anymore or something like that. And these are all conditions that you need to be talking about. And um, let's go on to this next one and, and we'll it'll talk a little bit about some of the first aid stuff. 
Um, and this is just what, what OSHA has put out. Um, it is certainly not, not a, a medical treatise uh, or anything like that. Always, always, always seek professional help, seek medical help when these things come up. Um, probably the first and foremost thing is dial 911 if you need to. But um, watch out for these things. This is all part of the, the keeping, your, keeping your eye on your brother. Um, all of these things could be going on. And, and certainly, I mean, as we go down that line, abnormal thinking and behavior, that hopefully you'll, you'll recognize that long before we get to the bottom of this list. Um, but, um, you know, so you need to be doing something, hopefully, between slurred speech and seizures, um, because uh, that, those are getting into pretty serious conditions. But as we as they go on, they can be getting this way. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll point out too, Mark, and maybe you have it on another slide. But this assumes that someone is 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 watching you, right? Someone is looking at you, and part of that national emphasis program mandates you have to have a buddy system in place, right? Nobody should be working ever alone in the heat because. If they're working alone in the heat and they start to have any one of these things, nobody's going to see them. They may drop uh, drop on the floor right there and be by themselves passed out for four hours baking in the sun. So definitely make sure that you, you have a buddy system in place, and that is part of the program. Yeah, very good. Um, then there's other signs. Um, I mean, there's a lot of them here. Um, you know, headache and nausea, weakness, um, heavy sweating. Um, or or hot dry skin those are two different ones um, we put them we usually always put them together on the same slide but those are two two totally different dramatic um, conditions that you need to watch out for um, you know and then uh, we've all seen I know especially if you work in the plants uh, we've all seen the the urine output uh, coloring charts um, you know those are those are all valid real things and you need to be keeping an eye on that um, and then you can see some of the actions that you can take and always, 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 um, you know, be thinking about, hey, at what point do I need to be calling 911? And I will say maybe it's it's less of an important decision at the top of the list um, as you, you know, but, but as you start going down that list, those are things that you need to be thinking about. And you certainly need to be uh, ready and prepared uh, to call 911. Uh, in an emergency and have have a plan in place. You know what? This we we've talked about it. Um, this written plan. Have a written plan about what you what you can do, and how you can do it, and how you could get somebody's temperature down uh, if you needed to, um, and and ways to be working on that. Just kind of reemphasizing some of the things that that can can be going on. And here's just a whole list of different places that you can go. Um, the, the OSHA heat page, most, most all of this is, is accessible through the OSHA heat page. Please go to that page. Um, you can find the documents there that I've, I've been mentioning and begging you to go get. Um, and you can find these resources, resources there. Um, educate your employees, tell them, this is something that they need to be watching out for and, and work that and, and uh, explain to your, into, into your uh, first line supervisors 
watch for these things and pay attention to them and it may not it may not be in a person who's doing a job that they think they should be having these types of problems with i can think of a whole watch you know a whole watch can can get into these workloads just as easily as somebody um, who who might be welding or something. It all just depends so much on all the other conditions. You know that that starburst chart. All those other conditions can apply to every single person in a different way every single day. And so just be aware of it and, and watch it and and uh, express the importance uh, to your foreman. Um, to your first line supervisors, to your to your project managers, to your your auditors, to everybody who's out there, um, and hopefully through knowledge and things like that, we can prevent a lot of things going on. I will say um, just a, a couple of uh, uh, side notes: things that are going on here in in our office, we're seeing a whole lot more people already at early in the year talking to us about heat, filing complaints letting us know of certain conditions. Um, so just be aware of that. And uh, it is stuff that we're looking at. So uh, just throwing that out there. And I think that's it for me. Um, <clears throat> basically, these are all my thoughts and I'm trying to give them to you the best way that I possibly can. Um, and um, uh, But uh, everything that OSHA's got is out there. So So go out there and look at it. And I'm just trying to help you the best way that I can. And Excellent. Uh, Dr. Heisler, it's all yours now. All righty. Well, uh, appreciate it, Mark. Very enlightening information, and and, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what the what the national standard is going to look like. I'm sure it's going to be interesting to 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 see what comes out of that in the next year or so. So let's just run through some questions that you have the attendees have typed in here so will the powerpoint be available sure absolutely we post all of our webinars to the safety council website and with a recording of this uh, webinar as well so you'll have the powerpoint and the actual recorded webinar so feel free to pass that along and share it absolutely uh, this question is from mark it says does the NIOSH OSHA heat stress app that you can download to your phone offer an equivalency to the NEP details? This episode is brought to you by ISS Leak Sealers, Knight Industrial Services, McCune Electrical Services, Norell and Olmsted Industrial Services. For a full list of sponsors, visit www.hasc.com sponsorship. I, I'm going I'm going to answer that no, but I'm not and and I and I put a qualifier on there because I'm not 100% certain I know that I understand the question. Um, so interestingly enough, I know you're not going to be able to. Oh, I know you're not going to be. Well, you can see some of it here. So that's the the heat app, um, and uh, this is what it's this part of it is in line with what what the NEP is talking about but you can't I don't believe you can get to the directive or anything um, from here other than the fact is it will take you to the OSHA website um, 
yeah, I think I think that's pretty much it. But it does have symptoms on here. It does have um, first aid that you can do on there, and it also talks about what the um, what the expected hourly um, temperatures are going to be um, here in the future. Like uh, here in Webster, I'm, I'm I'm down here in the Clear Lake area. It's telling me that it's gonna there's at 2 p.m. there's gonna be a 102 degree uh, feels like temperature. Wow. Um, so that's getting pretty hot. It's pretty miserable. <laughs> so um, hopefully, hopefully that answered your question. And I'm sorry if it didn't. Um, you can always type type in a little bit more detail or something, and maybe we'll catch it. If not, I'll, yeah, maybe we can see it later, and I'll try to get it with you. Sure, I'll keep an eye out for it. Um, somebody also just made a comment that uh, you know the National Weather Service reflects heat indexes and temperatures not always. Uh, in direct relation to our working environments, right? They're, they they typically have taken that stuff sometimes in the shade, right? So it's not always, you know, apples to apples to the work environment that you're in, which is why, the, you know, the OSHA says that you should, you know, even go over and beyond that if you can to measure your own temperatures in your working environment. Use a wet bulb globe thermometer that takes into consideration the direct sunlight, the wind, the humidity, and you can monitor your own working environment as much as you need to. That that is very very true. Um, every, everything that you said there. This is these are just trigger points. Um, it's not really used for for much of anything else other than to to just put everybody on notice as to when things could be going on. Um, if we came out to address anything, um, we have. You know, we we have instruments, we have a WBGT, and we we've got uh, a, a couple of other things that we're piloting out of our office that we um, are are looking at using, um, all to give us more accurate information about the specific conditions whenever we're at a certain area. But um, certainly, everybody don't don't make a judgment about your work site based solely on that on on the National Weather Service data. Um, because it could be um, it could be off a little bit. They do they do a very good job, um, but it, it you know it could be off just a little bit depending on on where you're at and what situation. Um, well, the terrain is like around you. I think right. that's a way to phrase that. And does the app? The question was: Does the app give you information based on your location? Do you put in your zip code, or how does that yeah. work? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I think it actually, uh, at least with my my iPhone, it it works off of um, the 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 locator, um, so it knows where the phone is at. Um, and and uh, I didn't have to put in a zip code. Now I think you I think you can put in a zip code or um or an address a a, a city in a city or a location, and it will do that for you. But I'm not 100% certain on that last part. Sure, Mark. What are your 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 team members looking for as far as documentation for employee training on heat prevention? Do they need to show a certificate? Do they need to have a log where they've all documented they they've had that training? How how do you confirm or verify the that the training took place? Um, a log. And then through interviews, we'll talk to the employees. You know, 
um, and and see, hey, you know, did this go on? You know, what what went on? Did what did you know? And then we would ask for the content. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say a certificate needs to be made or a card um, or anything like that. Uh, how you do that, that would be okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, I, you know, for some people, that might be a, a little bit much for them to to pull off. And but having a sign-in sheet and uh, content for what the training was and then that the employees actually heard it um, those are all very good steps gotcha this was a question i think it's i think it's more towards me but what factors does a as, as a medical professional look at when trying to distinguish a heat related injury versus something personal in nature you know, and sometimes it's not an easy thing to do, right? If it's 100 degrees outside and somebody says, I started to, to sweat heavily and got dizzy and got a headache and I stopped urinating, you know, probably a good indication that it was it's heat related. Now, can their personal medical issues contribute to that? Absolutely. Could their personal medical issues have heavily contributed to that more than the heat? Absolutely, they could. Uh, you know, to your point, there's, it's not an easy, it's not an easy um, investigation and, and determination and diagnosis to be had. However, you know, as a provider, we, we do definitely look at the environment that employee was in, the, the, the mechanism that they're reporting, and then also, well, what, what medical issues do you have? What medications are you having? Have you had a heat stress injury before? Uh, you know, did, did you start feeling bad only when you were at, at work today or did you start feeling bad when you were, you know, at home at eight o'clock last night? So we try our best to, to try to decipher, you know, make sure that we're giving the proper diagnosis. We certainly don't want to give a, you know, give a give us a, a, a classification that says this is work related when it's not and vice versa. Right. We, we try our best to make a, a good ultimate decision. Uh, an opinion or a diagnosis, and sometimes it's just not easy. Sometimes those things overlap, but we, you know, we do our best, right? We try, we try as much as we can. Temperature of water. This person asks. It's my understanding that water can be too cold. You know, they, they've done studies on on temperatures of water, and I, I think the NIOSH program actually says 59 degrees has to be at, at least that cold. Uh, 59 degrees. So, you know, you're looking at good cold water. You know, are you going to freeze someone to death with too cold a water? Probably not, right? So, I would say the colder, the better, right? You're trying to get the body temperature down. So, the colder the water. I will tell you that the gold standard emergency treatment for a heat stroke is still to submerge a human in ice water. So you don't worry about hypothermia, right? You don't worry about what's going to happen. You worry about saving the life. And we know that the gold standard is still to submerge them in a bath of ice water. So it goes to show you, you do whatever you can to get that body temperature cooled down at that moment. You don't worry about the what, what ifs after, right? You're trying to save the life. So to answer the question, no, there's not really a too cold of water give them cold water right and and make sure you're getting the temperature down as quickly as you can uh this was to mark mark what were the inspection levels from 2017 to 2021 you probably don't have that data right in front of you but 
I guess they're asking, you know, were, were they in, were the inspections high at, during that that time frame? Um, we were so. I can only I'll, I'll only speak for the Houston South Area Office because I've got that a little bit little bit more. We were doing a a fair amount. Um, it's not you know we do a lot of inspections. Okay, every every single year, and um, during this time frame, we will do dozens of heat uh, inspections, but it's not like it's a huge percentage of the number of inspections that we do every year. Um, but during this time period, it's it's a larger number than than all of our other inspections. So it it does it does weigh uh, on the 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 area office. It is something that we we are are looking at um, you know weekly, which is not necessarily always the case for other types of inspections. Um, to give you exact numbers, I don't have that with me um, to be able to to rattle off the the number the number of inspections. But um, you know up until. I mean, let's be honest. Up until 2020, um, we were we we were doing a pretty significant number of them. The last couple of years, it's been a little bit less, um, although with a number did pick up uh, considerably last year. Um, but we weren't back up to what I would say summer of 2019. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, question: Is there a computer-based training available? Um, Absolutely, there is. The Safety Council has one, a computer-based uh, training. It can be tied into a, your company-specific training, so all your workers just take it. Anytime they walk in the gates, they they can take it. So yes, there, there are several uh, heat training courses out there. Definitely, good question. The question was, I mentioned ice, ice, an ice bath, and somebody said, well, can that potentially cause shock? You know, and the answer is, the studies have shown no, because that should be in a controlled environment, right? It, it, it usually is done in a hospital situation where they are constantly monitoring the body temperature. I doubt any job site's gonna have a bath out there where they just have ice water readily available. So no, the, the studies have shown, do not, you don't worry about shock, right? You're worrying about that person dying from heat, heat stroke. So get their body temperature cold down. You can always warm them up, right, pretty easily. It, it's getting the temperature down enough where where they survive. Good question, though. Good question. Uh, you know, and, go ahead, Doctor Heisler. So, so how? Let's say we were out in out in a field somewhere, and we were working with a group of people, and all we really had was a you know some water and some ice, and it was going to take nine one one a little while to get there. Uh, you know, right. I don't want to say anything negative. They do the best yeah. that they can. We, but we had several packs of ice. Is there certain places we should place the ice? Sure. Is there is there ways we could do things to to help yep. the situation? Um, if we got into it and had to go to that, is there is there places that you would recommend we put the bags of ice or what we do with the bags of ice or do we try to spread it out all over their body and you sure. know or what do we do? Well, the you know the goal would be to get the entire body cooled down right so if you can dunk them with cold water pour cold water all over their body great ice packs specifically underneath the arms and in the groin area 
right? That that is that is a high blood vessel area. So you're getting the the the, the vessels and the blood cool down the fastest in those areas. So just as much ice as you can put on them, but specifically under the armpits and in the groin area will really hopefully cool the body down as much as possible. But do everything you can to get that person cooled down, especially if you thinking if you're thinking they're on their way to a heat stroke because of loss of consciousness, they're slurring their words, their neurological symptoms have just deteriorated. That's showing you that the brain is cooking and we don't want the brain to cook. So get them cooled down as, as fast as, as you can. Let's see. Uh, I always think about if you've got one of those big old ice chests, you can always set them down in there. They may not enjoy it, but yeah, uh, absolutely. it'd double as a bathtub if you had to have it. Question was about the acclimatization schedule and is there a good example? Yes, the NIOSH, the NIOSH book has, has great examples in there. They give you an example of uh, a schedule for somebody who is completely unacclimatized. And, and that definition, I believe, is if they've been away from that hot environment for more than 10 days, they should be considered unacclimatized. Uh, and then they also give you another chart that shows if somebody is acclimatized, is used to the heat, you should still put them through an acclimatization schedule. Uh, it's just, it's just much more shortened. So the NIOSH program does have that. You can Google that. Um, uh, let's see here. A question was, why does prior heat stress exposure make somebody more susceptible to the to the heat stress? And that that's a great question. You know, it, and I think several factors go into that. You know, number one, that employee just may be susceptible to heat, right? They may be obese. They may be taking medication. So you know. They're going to have a problem every year because that's who they are, right? On the on the flip side of that, we also know that for whatever God-given reason, if you suffer a, a, a heat-related illness, your body is then more apt to having a problem ongoing. Just like an ankle sprain. You sprain your ankle once, those tendons are loose, you're susceptible to having a repeated ankle sprains. Shoulder dislocations are the same, right? When you stress the body out, it's never going to get back 100%, right? So that person just ongoing is going to have an, have, an, have an issue. So those are the people that you really want to hone in on every year and make sure that they are thoroughly acclimatized. Or if they have a severe heat stress injury every year, you may not deem them fit for duty to be working in that environment, right? You may need to, to remove them from that hazard. Uh, those are things that you just have to look at every year with your employees and make sure that you are identifying those people that are at the greatest uh, risk. You know, we don't send people into work with asbestos if they've got lung disease, right? You don't send people to work in the hot environment if you know they have a problem every single time you put them into that uh, hot environment. Let me see if maybe we can squeeze out one one more. I, I know that we're we've, we're over our time two minutes, but it's great information. So uh, let me see if I can just pull one real quick. Uh, let's see here. Can you give the main difference between heat stress, exhaustion, and heat stroke? It's a good question. Uh, OSHA definitely has has those things listed on their on their website. You know, heat. You know, a lot of it has to do with the actual body temperature. The hotter you get, the more severe these things go. I will tell you that, let me just give you the definition and the, the example of the, of the worst one, which is heat stroke. Heat stroke is when your, your, your body temperature has gotten so hot, your brain is starting to, to overheat. And when your brain starts to overheat, 
all of your neurological uh, faculties go down the drain. You can't walk good, you can't talk good, you can't sweat good, your sweating stops, you, you lose consciousness, and you basically are having a, a thermal stroke because your brain is cooking, right? And that is the most severe, the most serious, and a true 911 emergency, get them to the ER because they will die from that very quickly. So heat stress and heat exhaustion is just you feel bad because you got overheated. When you move into the heat stroke, it's a true neurological emergency and you gotta waste no time in getting, getting them to the ER, all right? Few questions that were unanswered, we will definitely answer those in written format and post those to the website. So with that, I'm gonna respect everybody's time and close out. Mark, we greatly appreciate you jumping on this webinar again and giving your expertise and your insights. And we hope to have you back uh, sooner than later for another one. Well, thank you guys very much. I hope it was helpful and um, please uh, stay cool and stay safe. Take care, thank you. Thanks for listening to Building Safe Workplaces. Be sure to tune in next time for another exciting episode. Till then, stay safe and stay healthy.